Hello and welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill, this is episode 88. Thanks for listening. When this episode hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious stuff. May I love Back to the Future? I should go watch Back to the Future. I'll be right back. Entertain yourselves for an hour and 40 minutes. Okay, I'm back. That Doc Brown, he's so goofy. Anyway, it's been a weird morning for me. I'm recording this as I usually do on a Sunday morning. For one thing, I'm playing today's game on my uh, 7800 system. Pro system, again, it works fine, but it's just not the same. I missed my 2600. Uh, if you heard last week's episode, you know that my, jeez, oh, it had to be 34, 35-year-old Atari 2600 gave up the ghost, as it were, and didn't score any bonus lives. So right now I'm playing on 7800, trying to figure out when I'm going to replace the 2600. I'm sure I will, because like I said, it just feels weird to me playing a 2600 game on a 7800, even though it works just fine. So that's kind of sad. I'm also sitting here recording today in the podcast studio, otherwise known as the living room, where my wife lets me set up the Atari system. Uh, But I'm surrounded right now by baby blankets and baby bibs. No, we're not expecting another little one. My wife has gotten into sewing them and selling them. So here's a shameless plug. Uh, Patchwork Pepper is the Etsy store where my wife sells these things. If you have a little one or you know somebody who has a, a newborn or someone who's particularly fertile and could bear offspring at some point, go check out Patchwork Pepper on the Etsy store uh, on Etsy and check out those blankets because uh, daddy needs a new Atari 2600 so thank you very much for uh, for doing that the third reason that today's recording feels a little weird is I actually started doing it like an hour and a half ago and then there was knock at the door at, before like 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning and I look and it's the guy from the phone company yes it's true uh, my house still has a landline phone yeah, I'm not a doomsday prepper kind of guy, or yeah, I, I don't go around convinced that you know a, a huge disaster is going to befall my little house here. But in the back of my mind, I still kind of feel like we need to hold on to the landline because it seems to me, and again, I'm not overly worried about this, but the reality is, I suspect cell phone towers are particularly vulnerable to a disaster of some sort or terrorism or whatever, and we're more likely to lose cell service before we lose landline service. I could be totally wrong about that, but in my head, I still feel like we need a landline. And recently, we've been having some problems with the landline. We called again. We called several months ago. They came out. They couldn't find anything wrong, even though our phone kept insisting it was in use, even though it clearly was not. And we couldn't get a dial tone, but then started working again. Broke again on Friday, and we called, and they said, well, we can send somebody out next week. And then out of the blue, the guy shows up this morning explaining that, you know, some of the techs like to work on Sundays to make the first part of the work week a little less stressful. So he came in, he found a short, he fixed the the jack that was broken, only charged me 85 bucks, and I have a functioning phone again. So there you go. Doomsday has been put off yet again. So anyway, it's just a really weird start to my recording day. 
let's see what's going on here. We've got a little bit of feedback to talk about. Our buddy Sean, hi Sean, wrote in actually about the Super Football, Super Challenge Football episode. Sean wrote, you'll never convince me that the defense player wraparound feature, in quotes, isn't actually a bug. I was marveling in my review of Super Challenge Football how the player could just run off one end of the screen and instantly appear at the other end of the screen and how much more fun watching real football would be if that could actually happen. Uh, so Sean is skeptical that this is a feature of the game. Uh, he thinks it might actually be a bug in the system. Uh, he says, something I found out recently is that sometimes the Blue Sky Rangers, Mattel's in-house Intellivision development team, do they really call themselves the Blue Sky Rangers? Seriously? Anyway, uh, Sean says uh, they would encounter bugs that they just couldn't fix. If that were the case, they'd actually add it to the manual and disguise it as an intentional feature. I have a funny feeling that Mattel did the same thing for M-Network games. By the way, the same, quote, warp feature also exists in M-Network's International Soccer, which I've never played. Thanks for that, Sean. I especially like the idea of grown men walking around calling themselves the Blue Sky Rangers. I say this uh, as I'm surrounded by Atari games wearing a Doctor Who t-shirt and not very far away from a several boxes of Legos that are not my kids' Legos, so, you know. I have a feeling I would totally call myself a Blue Sky Ranger if I could get away with it. So thanks for that, Sean. I hope you liked the episode. I hope you liked the game. I hope you guys like all these games, uh, even if I don't. Uh, because, of course, I don't feel like my job as a reviewer is to tell you is to tell you what's wrong with the game just to make you not like the game. Uh, it's just to tell you what I observe. It's all good. All right. Well, why don't we just get into this week's game? Because it's a fun one, and it's from Activision, and I like talking about Activision. This week's game is... Give her my name and all the papers And how I solved the Keystone Caper Keystone Kenny is my name Catching crooks is my game Introducing a hilarious new video game Keystone Capers for the Atari 2600 Had a hooligan was loose in the department store And me in pursuit from floor to floor I ran and leaped and jumped and jumped With a bit of hiding stuff Keystone Capers, from Activision, 1983. Officer Kelly reporting for duty, leaping leprechauns. If it isn't Harry Hooligan, up to his old shenanigans. That blunderous hoodlum is robbing Southwicks, and on a Sunday at that. Come on then, lend a hand. We've got to catch the crook, recover the loot, and be careful to boot. Listen up, don't get KO'd by wild shopping carts, beach balls, or biplanes, and get moving. There's not a moment to lose. I don't know if the leaping leprechauns thing was really necessary, but you know, I guess when you think Keystone Cops, you think Irish. I'm not sure you should, but I guess you do. Anyway, so we're using the joystick with this one. Uh, the red difficulty, the red button in the upper left position. The difficulty switches and game stuck switches are not used. You get one game, you get one difficulty level. So just deal with it. Keystone Kelly would turn to the left or right when you push the joystick left or right. Kelly would jump when you push the red button. For a long running jump, press the red button while pushing your joystick left or right. Kelly will duck down when you pull the joystick back. Kelly will step into an open elevator when you push the joystick forward. He'll step out when you pull the joystick back. The bonus timer is beneath your score. It starts to count down as soon as the game begins. When only 10 seconds remain, it flashes. Be warned. So yeah, the controls for this game are pretty simple. Points are earned each time a crook is apprehended. The sooner you catch him, the more points you'll get. Crooks 1 through 8 are worth 100 times the amount left on the bonus timer. Crooks 9 through 16 are worth 200 times the amount left on the bonus timer. 
After your 16th arrest, each crook would be worth 300 times the amount left on the bonus timer. Also, every recovered money bag and suitcase is worth 50 points. You get a bonus cop each time your score increases by 10,000 points, up to a maximum of three on screen at a time. I don't think that means you have three cops that you control on screen at the same time. I think that means three extra lives at most at a time. To start, press the game reset. Duh. The game ends when all of your cops are gone. Any of the following could cause you to lose a cop. Colliding with the biplane, running out of time, allowing a crook to escape off the roof. I'm not sure how they escape exactly. Is there like a helicopter up there? Is the helicopter from uh, Superman flying around? Lex Luthor scoops up the crooks. Well, that'd be cool, wouldn't it? Maybe Harry Hooligan has like uh, like a uh, jetpack hidden up there or something. That would be awesome. And then you could like, the game could switch and you could suddenly control Harry Hooligan with his jetpack. That'd be awesome. So you uh, homebrewers, get get on that. Make me a Keystone Capers cr- sequel, the story of how Harry Hooligan escapes from the roof. Special features of Keystone Capers by Activision. The elevator can take Keystone Kelly up and down to any floor except the roof. Place Kelly in front of it and wait until the door opens. Then push your joystick forward to move Kelly into its green interior. Push the joystick back to exit. Kelly can also ride up an escalator just by touching it. An escalator is the only way to get to the roof, which seems like poor design to me. Poor design of this department store. Southwick's security system. Lucky for you, Southwick's has security cameras scanning the store. Then the display at the bottom of the screen gives you an overview of all floors from the barge basement to the rooftop. Kelly's the black dot. The crook is the white dot. The elevator is the moving gray square in the middle, and the escalators are black uh, slashes on either end. Using the security system, you'll know which way Kelly should run to catch an elevator or escalator or a crook. You must jump to avoid a rapid onslaught of shopping carts, beach balls, and cathedral radios. If you collide, a valuable 9 seconds will be deducted from your time. As your score rises, toy biplanes whiz by. Duck to avoid them. With each collision, you'll lose a captain, uh, a cop. However, don't avoid money bags and stolen suitcases. You'll earn 50 points each time Kelly picks one up. Apparently, I didn't read the uh, directions well enough before I started playing earlier, because I thought you were supposed to pick up the radios, too. So I was intentionally running into them, not really noticing that I was losing time on my, on my timer. Good to know. Always read the manual, kids. Getting the feel of Keystone Capers by Activision. If you're a new recruit to Kelly's Forces, and basic training is all you need. First of all, practice your jumps. Running jumps and jumping in place. Perfect timing is the real key here. Another thing, Harry Hooligan is no dope. He'll pre- he's pretty crafty at switching floors when Kelly takes the elevator. So when you hop on, watch Harry and the security system display. Don't get off until you're as close to the crook as possible. Join the Activision Billy Club. It all started at O'Shaughnessy's Grill. After a hard day of crime-busting, Keystone Kelly and the coppers would gather in this Bowery joint to share hot tips and potatoes. All right. Is this mildly stereotyping? A little bit? The leaping leprechauns and the potatoes and things? I don't know. Is that a problem for anybody? I'm not Irish myself, so it's not a problem for me, I guess. But does anyone else feel strongly about this? Let me know. They called themselves the Billy Club, and you can join with a score of 35,000 points or more. O'Shaughnessy's is gone, but the club lives on. Send us a photo of the qualifying score on your TV screen, along with your name and address, and we'll send you the official Billy Club emblem, which looks kind of like a, you know, it's a patch, of course, and it looks kind of like, I was going to say, it doesn't look like a sheriff's badge, but it looks like a, a, a badge, maybe like a cop's badge, I guess. And it has Keystone Kelly on it, it says Activision Billy Club. If anyone was ever in the Billy Club, let me know. And that's pretty much the manual part, uh, but then it's kind of neat. They give us a little story. 
I always appreciate when they give us a story. So this one basically is the story of what a cop is. Those dashing men in blue. Cops weren't always, quote, cops. They didn't get their nickname until after 1845 when the first police badge was issued. The main ingredient? Copper. The old-fashioned helmet-shaped hats were made of felt and used until 1906. When not ready in hand, the wooden billy club, or nightstick, hung in the frog, its own special holder. This was attached to a thick leather belt, worn over the jacket and buckled with the police department's insignia. Thumb cuffs were an early version of handcuffs. The suspect's hands were put behind his back, and the small wooden restraint was screwed tightly around the thumbs. Wow, that would hurt. I've never been arrested, so I've never had any sort of handcuffs or zip ties or whatever. If any of you have had thumb cuffs put on you, and it's a story you can share with a family audience, let me know, because I would be curious to see what that feels like. Not that I want to try it. I want to live vicariously through one of you. Tips from Gary Kitchen, designer of Keystone Capers. Gary is a top-notch designer with a great variety of interests. Besides playing video games, Gary likes to read fiction and draw with pencil and charcoal. He's a natural at ping-pong, too, and loves to travel. We're glad he found his way to Activision. And then we get Gary's letter. Hi, gang. I'll begin by saying one thing. Don't get stuck on the roof. Because, surprise, you can't get back down. To avoid this embarrassing predicament, stay behind the crook and don't go to the roof until he's up there. As your score rises, the beach balls bounce higher. Forget about trying to jump over them. Instead, duck. Also, the biplanes and shopping carts start coming in waves, so learn their rhythm and do the keystone strut to the tune of the shopping carts. It's jump, run two steps, jump, run two steps, etc. To the biplane beat, it's duck, run three steps, duck, run three steps, etc. Learn to adjust by changing rhythms. And to save yourself a few steps, have Kelly jump onto the escalators. You'll be halfway up already. Now go out and get those guys. And when you take a break, write to me. I want a full report. Gary Kitchen. Thanks, Gary. I'm all inspired now. And that is how you play Keystone Capers. Keystone Capers was later ported to the 5200, the 8-bit family, ColecoVision, and MSX in 1984. Uh, It's inspired by Max Sennett's Slapstick Keystone Cops series of silent films. The 2600 version uh, received a Certificate of Merit in the category of 1984 Video Game of the Year, less than 16 uh, kilobyte uh, ROM, at the 5th Annual Archie Awards. The Atari 8-bit version was praised in Antic, who called it a perfect game for anyone, and praised its superb animation. Deseret News gave the ColecoVision version of Keystone Capers three stars, praised the game's graphical improvement over the original, unusual for an Activision port. The VideoGameCritic.com says that with its department store setting, flicker-free characters, and smooth animation, this may be the best-looking Atari 2600 game ever produced. That's a pretty bold statement, Video Game Critic. And thanks to its simple concept and crisp controls, Keystone Capers plays as good as it looks. He particularly notes that the ability of Keystone Kelly to duck uh, is something we take for granted today, but in 1982, it was a pretty fantastic feature. Everything looks totally cool, and he believes you never, ever get tired of riding the escalators. Eh, I'm not sure that's so true. The escalators are so much fun, I never ever questioned, never even questioned why one of them leads to the roof. The elevator is pretty neat, too, but the fact that it's narrow makes it hard to squeeze into on the run. The single skill level is kind of lame, but Keystone Capers has passed the test of time and serves a place in every classic game collection. Hint. To save a split second, 
jump onto the escalators. Hmm. Alright, so Keys, uh, Video Game Critic really likes Keystone Capers. And, spoiler, I kind of do too. AtariProtos.com also notes that a sequel was commissioned to Keystone Capers that would have taken place on a train, but was never released. If I dug a little dig digging, I could probably find this out, but is the unreleased sequel available somewhere to be played? And if it is, have any of you tried it? Atari Protos thinks that Keystone Capers has aged really well, even in the age of PlayStation 2, I guess at the time this review was written. GameCube, Xbox, etc. There's something addicting about Keystone Capers that the newer games just don't have. Um, alright. Well, after the break, get the handcuffs ready. We've got work to do. No, not the fuzzy pink handcuffs. Those are for later. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. This is the Retro Gaming City, Atari Bytes, USA. I work here. I'm a podcaster. Man, Keystone Kelly can move. He's got the arms and the legs pumping. He's picked up a suitcase full of cash. Um, as with most, dare I say all? Probably not all. But most Activision games. This one's rendered pretty well. Everything on the screen looks good. Looks like what it's supposed to be. I just rode the escalator up to the second floor. The only drawback with the look of the game for me... It's not really a drawback, it's just kind of a, huh, wonder why they did that. There are a lot of those blue, I guess they're supposed to be display cases, but they don't really serve any purpose, right? They're just sort of there. You can't jump. I just picked up a bag full of money. Now I'm taking the escalator up to the third floor. You know, those blue display cases, you can't jump on them, you can't push them into the crooks. Another suitcase. Um, and, you know, and, there, and there's nothing on them to look at. So, inventory is clearly... I just got nailed by a red cold capsule. Not really sure what that's supposed to be. Is that supposed to be the beach ball? I don't know. I think I'm running out of time on this level. Too much time yakking, not enough time catching crooks. My brothers in blue would be very upset with me. I'm about to run out of time, folks. Bag of money! Get Harry got away. Um, it almost has kind of a pitfall feel to it, right? You run, 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 jump over stuff. You know, whether it's those blue, those red uh, cold capsules, or the shopping carts that haven't come up yet, but they'll be here in a minute. Um, the little. Uh, I guess it's supposed to be security camera footage at the bottom. It is kind of helpful. It's a little misleading, um, I think, because I'm sure that there are certain points where Harry Hooligan is able to move from one floor to the next at a point where there's no means of transport. There's no escalator, no elevator, and yet on the little security footage cam you can see that he does exactly that. Oh, I think I'm about to get him. Closing in. No! Yeah, get to him before he gets to the escalator. Damn you, Harry! Hey, you're still on this floor. No! You went to the roof. Oh, yes! I'm about to get my man. 
say it again. <laughs> Boom. Take a billy club to the back of the head, buddy. Pre police brutality? What police brutality? I thought Southwick's, as I explained earlier, was supposed to be... Oh, now I'm waiting for the elevator. I don't like the elevator. Uh, and I'm not the first one, obviously, to point that out. It's a little awkward to use. You gotta wait. You can't make it come any faster. I'm not really even sure that you get to choose where it stops. It typically goes to... You know, the next floor up. Uh, but I was playing it earlier, and it actually went down from, like, second floor to first, when I wanted it to go up to third. I don't know if there's any way to control that. Maybe it's in the manual. Maybe I read that earlier. But as I'm recording this part, I'm not sure how to control that. I'm about to run out of time again. The skyline, uh, looking up at the roof, looks kind of cool. It's look like, looks like it's maybe twilight. A nice orange-red sunset happening there. Come on, elevator. I got crooks to bust. You're mine, Harry. Radio. Lots of radios. I thought Southwick's was a men's clothing store. I don't see any men's clothing. Closing on Hooligan again. I will do that, and then I think I'll end this field report until you get the idea. Boom! The streets are safe again. Back to you in the studio. So here's the thing about Keystone Capers. Frequent co-host Henry and I like to get out the Intellivision and play Lock and Chase on the Intellivision. And when I initially heard of Keystone Capers, that's kind of what I pictured in my head that it was going to be. It's not exactly. I think I compared it earlier to having, to me, kind of a pitfall feel to it, uh, in a way. You're picking up treasure, uh, run and jump a lot, that kind of thing. Uh, oh, actually, I just glanced up the screen. I still have the game on the screen, and I'm seeing the biplanes. When I was doing the field report and practicing earlier, I never got to the biplane level. Uh, they look kind of cool. Uh, anyway, uh, I like this game a lot. I don't, I don't know. Maybe if I keep playing it and get to the higher, faster-paced levels, maybe it, it becomes more exciting. I, I, but the little bit that I played, I kind of feel like it could get repetitive. But it is such a good-looking game, and it is fun. So I imagine I'll play it quite a bit. The Activision manual itself actually touched on the history of cops and why they're called cops, uh, suggesting that it has to do with the copper badges that they wore. Snopes.com. The website uh, devoted to professional party pooping and debunk debunking all sorts of cool rumors actually has an article about cops. The rumor that they address is, The slang police term cop derives from an acronym for the phrase constable on patrol. Snopes says, While there is something intrinsically pleasing to the notion of the familiar and widely used word cop, having entered the language in unusual fashion, whatever we want to believe, it just didn't happen that way. Cop as a slang term for police officer is neither a shortening of constable on patrol nor of citizen on patrol. The word cop also did not enter the slang lexicon as an allusion to the highly polished buttons, which some say were made of copper. Uh, disclosure here, I actually thought it had something to do with the buttons. Those are the kind of buttons that they wore on uh, turn-of-the-century police uniforms in America, or also London police forces of the 1820s. Snopes says that it does not refer either to the badges or shields used by cops, worn by cops. 
Uh, so take that Activision manual. So here's what Snopes says the answer is. The police-specific use of COP made its way into the ling- English language in far more languid fashion. COP has long existed as a verb meaning to take or seize, but it didn't begin to make the linguistic shifts necessary to turn it into a casual term for police officer until the mid-19th century. The first example of COP taking the meaning to arrest appeared in print around 1844, and the word then swiftly moved from being solely a verb for taken to police custody to also encompassing a noun referring to the one doing the detaining. By 1846, policemen were being described as coppers, the ER ending having been appended to the arrest form of the verb, and by 1859, coppers were also being called cops, the latter word a shortening of the former. Alright, so there you go. Snopes, professional fun haters, have ruined your dreams of the exotic origins of the word cop, and managed to make it really boring. So, there you go. Thanks, Snopes. So, we have today the story of Keystone Kelly professional crook catcher. In his decades walking the beat, Officer Kelly, the cop with the most arrests and the most red flags in his file, has seen some serious everything from petty theft to armed robbery to assault to homicide has played out before his weary eyes on the streets of Keystone. All the times the bank has been robbed of bags with dollar signs on them, the damsel in distress tied to the railroad tracks which also meant turf wars with Dudley Do-Right, even though Keystone was nowhere near Canada and the gang violence. Even Kelly's blood ran cold thinking of it. He was sure he turned in his heart and his membership to normal feeling society years ago. But when he thought of the gang wars that erupted all too frequently, the streets running white with coconut cream and meringue from all the senseless pie fights. (sighs) Alone in the dark stillness of night, the capers Kelly failed to foil haunted him. When he did sleep, he often dreamed of Harry Hooligan, maniacally laughing. Well, he also dreamed of eating a five-pound marshmallow only to awaken and find he'd eaten his pillow. He'd gone through a lot of pillows on this job. Well, Officer Kelly was ready to be done with all of it. And now, a month away from retirement, he finally, almost was. He could walk away with no regrets that hadn't already been purged or litigated to a legal settlement satisfactory to all parties. No regrets at all. Well, there was one thing. And thing was the right word. Harry Hooligan had been a thorn in Officer Kelly's side, a blight on the tree that was his city, an ant crawling all over the dinner plate-sized lollipop he got at the five and dime for a nickel. Harry Hooligan was a bad dude. One afternoon, Kelly and five or six other cops were chasing masked hooligan wannabes. Damn you, Harry Hooligan! In a circle through an improbable series of doorways to rooms that were connected in an architecturally improbable manner, when one of Kelly's sources called him over. Officer Kelly straightened his oddly shaped hat. Is it supposed to be aerodynamic or something? And went over to talk to Jimmy, the newsboy. So called because, well, he sold newspapers on the corner. Where it is, Jimmy said, Hooligan is planning a big heist. Officer Kelly's eyes narrowed, jaw set, voice lowered an octave. Hooligan, again. Well, yeah, it's always Harry Hooligan. Ain't you never played this game before? Jimmy sold a Look magazine to a woman in pearls, then went on. Come to think of it, it's always a heist, too. Kelly's teeth clenched with the anticipation of facing down his old foe, perhaps for the last time. The tension was cut when a skinny guy with a bowler hat dropped a piano out of a second-floor window onto the heavier guy wearing a similar hat standing beneath on the sidewalk. The fat one was turned into an accordion as a result and before he and the skinny one, crying cartoon-like now, climbed into a truck marked L&H Piano Movers and drove away. 
The fat one was shouting, This is another nice mess you've gotten me into. Over the sound of his ribcage playing Lady of Spain, Kelly refocused on Jimmy. What's his game this time? Blimey if he ain't going to rob Southwick's. On a Sunday, Officer Kelly nearly puked his daily rasher of bacon and heavy cream at the thought of doing anything on Sunday besides polishing the copper buttons on his uniform, which we all know is the real reason that cops are called cops, and wallowing in the cruel, futile joke that is life. And Southwick's of all places, when there are huge and, let's face it, not well-guarded banks. Not that Kelly had made note of that, mind you. Not to mention run-down savings and loan buildings run by drunk uncles while Jimmy Stewart types pine over crushed dreams. Southwick's. He still couldn't believe it. This is the time when we take a Southwick's interlude. What is Southwick's? The only Southwick's I could find on the internet appears to be an upscale men's clothing store. Their website says since 1929, Southwick's business philosophy has been firmly grounded in the singular vision of its founders, a love of quality and craftsmanship. Made in the USA, Southwick's is synonymous with authentic American style, natural shoulder comfort, quality, and fine fabrics, worn by presidents, ambassadors, corporate leaders, and others of men of distinction who chose Southwick's to enhance their own style, not replace it. Southwick represents understated elegance and quality workmanship. Where are your cathedral radios? Huh? And your biplanes and your beach balls? I am very confused. Anyway, back to the story. Officer Kelly devoted his Sunday to pretending to read the box scores while actually staking out Southwick's. As the business day wound down, Kelly's stomach tightened, though that could have been the six chili dogs he bought from a street vendor. When was Hooligan going to make his move? A cable car lurched slowly up the hill past Southwick's. From the other side came the mocking taunt. You'll never take me alive, copper, and I like your buttons, too, and your silly phallic hat. As the cable car pulled away, there he was, Harry Hooligan on the roof of Southwick's. You'll get a sweet taste of the old billy club when I catch you, hooligan. Harry offered a middle finger salute, busted out a window, and scrambled inside Southwick's. The chase was on. Kelly hoped the store was empty. He didn't want to have to club a hostage to get a hooligan, but a cop does what a cop must do. Why Southwick's had bags of money just lying around the sales floor was baffling. As if an honest cop's job isn't hard enough, Kelly thought as Harry Hooligan leapfrogged past him to scoop the loot. A toy airplane planted its propeller in Kelly's left nostril. Kelly saw stars, then blackness, then nothingness. It was sort of relaxing, actually. Then he regenerated, as he had so many times before, into his pudgy, beaten-down self. It was tingly this time, like when you wind a rubber band around your finger too tight, then release it. Only, like, over your whole body. Kelly wasn't the first copper to scoop up some money bags, but he was one of the first to do so altruistically, to keep them away from Hooligan, not to buy a small shack on uh, Caribbean Island. A cathedral radio whizzed past Keystone Kelly's super phallic hat. Kelly's first thought was, I'm getting too old for this. His second thought was, when did Southwick's purveyor of fine men's clothing start selling radios? The chase seemed endless, Hooligan scooping up loot and Kelly close behind, floor to floor, never ceasing. Though his knees complained, 
Kelly skipped the awkward, time-consuming elevator and ran to the escalators. Harry Hooligan was nearly to the roof. Kelly considered calling in backup because he was just too old, just too tired. But then the little flicker inside Kelly that passed for her soul suddenly roared to life. No, he spat. Ew. Hooligan is mine. If I do nothing else in this life, at least I can say I got him. And that I finished that macrame owl wall hanging. Kelly still had the beak and little Ollie's left eye to finish. Something to live for. A fusillade of beach balls rained down on Kelly. This could be the end of me, Kelly thought. Not entirely with regret. But Hooligan was almost to the exit that would take him to the roof and freedom. And Kelly couldn't let Hooligan slip away. Plus, if he died here now, Kelly's heir, a distant, super annoying cousin in Poughkeepsie, would have to figure out how to matrimony a pirate eye patch for Ollie. Give it up, copper, Hooligan said, one hand on the door to the roof. Those pathetic bumblers in Lock and Chase couldn't catch me. What makes you think you can? The mention of Lock and Chase's Super D policeman, the D stands for douchebag, galvanized Kelly. He thrust out one arthritic hand with an agonized groan, grabbed Hooligan by the ankle and slapped a cuff on it, which was weird because it was one of those thumb cuffs. Harry Hooligan was a really skinny dude. The paddy wagon rolled up outside and Abbott and Costello, no relation, clamored out. Abbott was super relieved Costello stopped singing knick-knack paddywhack loud as he could. As they hauled Hooligan away, Costello asked Kelly what he was going to do with his retirement. What else would a retired cop in this town do? Drink a lot of Keystone Light. This week's episode is sponsored by Keystone Light. Just beerish enough for the price. And that's our show. Just remember, it ain't a party till someone breaks out the thumb cuffs. My thanks to Kevin McLeod at Incomptech.com for a Creative Commons use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. You can find Atari Bytes on many podcatchers, including Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and iTunes, where you should slap the thumb cuffs on a show review and send it off to internet jail. Then, go tell some friends. You can also support the show financially at the Atari Bytes Patreon page or by picking up Atari Bytes merchandise at Zazzle.com. Our website is ataribytes.libson.com. You can email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. Like the Atari Bytes Facebook page, follow the show on Twitter at Atari Bytes, or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. And hey, don't forget to check out my other show. It's a podcast, Charlie Brown, for all your animated Charlie Brown, Snoopy, and the whole Peanuts gang needs. New episodes drop on the 15th of every month. Next time on Atari Bytes, Planet Patrol. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you. Oh, 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 oh,